Turning to the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers chapter 27, and then some verses from the book of Joshua and the chapter 3. And if you have your Bible with you, open it. If you haven't and want to read and listen later, you can do that also. Now we'll be back here again, God willing, in the drive-in next Lord's Day morning. And I'll be preaching the Word. And then we will be considering what's happening. And we'll give you further notice then regarding returning into the church. But we'll be here next week. And thank you so much for coming. And I trust that the Lord has been ministered to you and been blessing you in these days. We're turning, as I said, to Numbers chapter 27. And we're reading from the verse 15. And I want you to listen to these words. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, the man in whom the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. And at his word shall they go out, at his word shall they go in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation and Moses did as he was commanded, and he took Joshua and set him before Eliezer the priest, before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Turning to Joshua chapter 3, for a few verses, reading from the verse 1, Joshua chapter 3. And the verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and he lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then shall ye remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space of a thousand cubits by measure. Come near unto it, that ye may know that the way which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders 
among you. Let us seek the Lord in prayer, please, this morning. Father, we thank you again for the Word of God. Thank you again for the Lord's Day. Thank you again for the desire that you put in our heart to hear from God. So, Lord, we ask this morning that thou will take away every distraction. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost will come upon our lives. We pray that we'll be open to what God would say to us today, giving you thanks and asking you a blessing in the Savior's name and for his sake. Amen. I want you to come with me this morning by faith to the eastern banks of the Jordan River. And I want you just to try in your mind's eye and watch with me as the sun rises over the mile-wide raging torrent, as it sweeps its way down from the Galilee to the Dead Sea. The melting snows of Mount Hermon causes the flood to accelerate. And I am told that the very noise of it passing on a one-mile-wide stretch was deafening. Verse 15 of that chapter 3 tells us that it had burst its banks. Now I want you to try and visualize two million at least women and children with all their livestock, their baggage, their belongings and their accoutrements and the former queue that reaches back into the plains of Moab about five miles. For three days and three nights they stand on the gaze there, watching, listening, and waiting for the command from Moses. They see the sweltering, swelling Jordan going past at a fearful rate. To add to their consternation, as the morning sun rises, the flash of the armor of the soldiers guarding the Jericho walls would have been seen. My friend, this was not for the faint-hearted. This was a daunting experience. Seven wicked enemies had to be displaced. Verse 10 in one verse tells us that there are seven enemies waiting to decimate them whenever they go over. And as we think about this this morning, these people stood there, men, women, and children, with the words of Joshua ringing in their ear. It's time to go over this Jordan into the land which I have given you. Twelve times in the word of God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, God told them that he had a land a land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan, a land which they need to go in and possess it. And God promised them that land then. And the promises is good now this morning because the land they're in this morning, they'll stay in that land. And the land that they're in this morning, they will possess every last bit of it before God is finished with them. It doesn't matter what the Hamas or the ISA or the United Nations or anybody else says. It's God's land 
and God's land was promised to the people. Now there's cities, there's houses, there's vineyards, and God says to these people, every place that the sole of your foot, you will have it as a possession. But there's a deal, and the deal is this, that you have to root out the enemies. You have to destroy these enemies, and you have to take possession of this land that I am given to you. You see, friends, this morning, when we were saved, it cost us nothing. By grace are you saved through faith. You said a prayer one day or one night, and you asked the Lord to save you. And by his grace and his mercy, he cleansed you from your sin, and he gave you peace with God, and he changed your life. It didn't cost you anything. But my friend, to go on with God, it's a battle. To go on with God, it's a fight. To go on against the world and the flesh and the devil and the lusts and all the fire that the people of God even in these days. You have to battle. You have to fight. You have to put on the armor. You have to pray. You have to stand your ground. It's not easy. I tell you again, it's not for the faint-hearted. That's the reason so many of God's people are not going on this morning. They're not prepared to shake the world off and go on with God. Oh, it's great to be saved. Couldn't cost you anything. Didn't cost you a thing. And you're going to go to heaven like that. And my friend, we'll get a rude awakening when we get to heaven when we didn't possess all that God had for us to possess. You've compassed this mountain long enough. It's time to move out. It's time to move on. It's time to move in. It's time, my friend, that you claim victory in Jesus. You're far too long in Cadiz Barnea. You're far too long wandering about, criticizing and groaning and moaning, and no interest, no longing, and no vision, and no burden for the things of God. You're far too long. It never was meant to be like that. There's possessions, and there's power, and there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's victory in Jesus. Now, last week I said that COVID 19 not only has brought a new day and a new dimension to the, to the world, to the nations, but also to the church. This, this, my friend, is a new beginning. This is a new start. This is a new chapter. And I trust and I pray that it will be a new start, a new trust, a new chapter in your life, in your life, that your spiritual life will never, ever be the same again after this. This is time. And I have been saying this from, from this thing started. This is time to go around our spiritual foundations. This is time to ask yourself, and for me to ask myself, am I really looking forward to going on with God? Am I really looking forward to getting into the prayer meeting? Am I really looking forward to getting back to the Lord's table? Am I really looking forward to getting to the Bible study? Am I really looking forward to the Sunday school class again and to the Friday night meeting? Are you itching to get going for God? That's the test. That's the test, my friend, of the past three months in your life when we were shut out, shut in, shut up to faith and to ask God what he was going to do. It's time to ask God if you haven't already done it. It's time to ask God to forgive us. 
Forgive us for our lack of vision. Forgive us for our lack of burden. Forgive us for our lack of passion. Forgive us for our lack of love. Oh, my friend, there's so many things. Forgive us for wasting our time. Forgive us for wasting our talents. Forgive us for wasting our tithe. Forgive us for wasting our toil, toiling with our work, toiling with our family, but not toiling for God. It's time to ask for forgiveness for the hours we spend on the phone, the hours we spend on the TV, the hours we spend on the website, WhatsApp, Facebook. My friend, when you balance that up in our life, I want you to balance it up, all those things, family, work, and everything else, balance it up in your life in the time that you give to God. That's the test. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, and hour after hour after hour, doing things that are of very little value and certainly no value as far as eternity comes. It's time to ask God to forgive us for our lack of faith. It's time to ask God to forgive us for our lack of unbelief. It's time to ask God to forgive us for our fear, the fear of the giants, the fear of the giants, and ask God to forgive us for provoking and hindering and quenching and vexing the Holy Spirit. My friend, there's a big range of things this morning, and the Holy Spirit wants to search our hearts with them. Because we're standing at the Jordan. We either go on or we go back. We either go on wandering and criticizing and complaining or we go back. Don't be coming back to the work just because you want to do something. Come back in because you love God. Come back in because you love the people of God. Come back in because you want to go through with God and see the victory that he has. I tell you, my friend, how dangerous it is to stand at the edge of the Jordan and not go over. How dangerous it is to wander around in Kadesh Barnea. For in Hebrews chapter 3 we read that they hardened their heart because of the deceitfulness of sin. Their heart become hardened. You either go on or you go back. You either go in or you go over or you go back. My friend, this is your Jordan. This is you coming out of Kadesh Barnea. This is the church coming out from wandering in the wilderness. This is the hour. This is the moment that God, in his last opportunity, has given to the church of Jesus Christ in our land. Can I appeal with all my heart this morning to the younger generation of Christians? And I pray for you day and night. Don't do what the older generation has done. Don't do what we have done and what we're still doing. Don't be content with being saved. Don't be content with being redeemed and on your way to heaven. Don't be content with that. That's not what you have to ask. What was I saved for? What was I brought here for? What did God give me the gift for? What am I doing in light of the judgment seat of Christ? Friend, this is serious. This is serious. This is a thunderclap from heaven to the people of God in these days. Don't miss 
Don't miss what God has for you. Many years ago, Pat and I traveled away down to Wexford. 30, 40 years ago nearly. And walking through the town of Wexford, we went into a Catholic bookshop. The window had all crosses and statues. And I don't know why we went in, but we went right down to the back of it. And there was a wee bookstall. Just a handful of books. And I remember looking at the books and taking out one. And it was from a man who was a good friend of mine and a great help to me here in the early days, Derek Bingham. And that book, the title of that book was Don't Wait. Don't wait until he's dead. Don't wait until he's dead. God spoke to me through that book. And I rang Bingham when I come home. And I said, above all places, in the back of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a shop way down in the town of Wexford, I got you a wee book and God spoke to me. Don't wait until they're dead. And he brought out in that book how we can miss, how we can miss for God. My friend, don't wait until this is over. Don't wait until you're finished. Don't wait until it's too late. But come to him now. Jesus, I my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou alone my all shall be. We need to search our heart. Oh, old Socrates said, an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. Three days, three days speak of resurrection. The third day, three days they had to stand there and cleanse themselves. They looked they look back at Kitty Spurnia and they're looking forward to the new life in Jordan, over Jordan, and they're about to go in. And as the ark went down into the Jordan, my friend, the priest went down into the Jordan River one mile long and the flood roaring. They had to put their eyes upon the ark. And our Lord Jesus Christ, the type of the ark, went down into the Jordan at that very place. At that very spot he went down in and the heavens opened and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This was the very spot that John the Baptist baptized them at Bathabara. This was where there was much water. John baptized them. My friend, let me say this. You that are baptized this morning, you that went down into the waters of baptism this morning, that was supposed to be you leaving your Kadesh Barnea behind. That was supposed to be you leaving the old life behind. That was supposed to be you rising up into newness of life to serve the Lord, identifying to everybody, I'm a new creature in Christ. Some of you haven't made so much of it. Some of you haven't went on so well. My friend, this is the Jordan. This is when we come up into newness of life and we say, I'm going to serve, I'm going to follow the Lord. Oh, may, may we this morning, may we take heed to what the Lord is saying to, it, to us this morning. Now, there's three things in this and I'm not going to have time to preach them this morning. And I don't want to keep you as long as last week for it's not comfortable with children in the car. Well, we'll be back here, God willing, next week. But there are three things in, the, in these verses that we read, and we'll see how we get on with one of them. First of all, there's the leading. Secondly, there's the learning. And thirdly, there's the leaving. Those three things compass themselves around the children of Israel 
as they stood in their millions round the Jordan River. Let's look at the leading, or the leader, Joshua. Now, that's why I read in Numbers. You know, Joshua was a man with the call of God. He was called onto the leadership of the people by the prayer of Moses. And I hope you notice that. And I trust that you'll read it again. Numbers 27, 15. Moses prayed. The mighty Moses. Here's what he prayed. O Lord, raise up a man. Raise up a man that will lead them out. Lead them in. Lead them over. Lead them on. Now how many leaders, my friend, and pastors and elders in the work of God this morning who have been prayed into the work. Not talking about being paid into the work. For I think it's a holy disgrace this morning. And I'm preaching the word that the Lord gave me. And I think it's a holy disgrace this morning to those that are called pastors and ministers and shepherds and they're fleecing the flock. Fleecing the flock. Three and four thousand pound a month and big houses and holiday homes and cruises and sabbaticals. I tell you there's a day of judgment coming for the ministers of God taking their messages from the website, regurgitating old ones, 15 to 20 minutes in the pulpit on Sunday morning. It wouldn't be so bad, my friend, if, if they were seeing something. It wouldn't be so bad if there was a move of God. Well, we're going on and on in the rut, going on and on in the meetings and missions, going on and on, fleeing from one church to another, one mission hall to another, grabbing a handful of money, putting it into the bank and building society where it's already almost full. God forgive us. We need men called of God. We need men who are prayed in. I tell you, if your minister's not prayed in, you pray him out. And if you don't pray him out, starve him out. Oh, that's very serious talk. Oh, well, I tell you, the heart of God's grieved this morning. He's grieved with pastors. He's grieved with ministers. He's grieved with elders in the churches. He's grieved with us playing games. The games are over. God is vexed. God is angry. Starve them out. Cut the corn. Give them nothing. We need prophets in these days. We need men filled with the Holy Ghost in these days. We need men who fear nothing, only sin and fear God. That's the hour we live in. We need prophets. A prophet is someone who foretells. A prophet is someone who foretells. A prophet's God's emergency man in a crisis hour. The prophet's job is, to, is announcing, pronouncing and denouncing. He has an ear to the heart of God. Moses had an ear to the heart of God. Joshua had an ear to the heart of God. Tell me, have you an ear? Pastor this morning, have you an ear to the heart of God? Are you hearing from him for your messages? Are you hearing from him in the quiet time? Are you hearing from him in the prayer meeting? Are you afraid of men? Are you doing it for money? Well, get out of it and go in, get a lorry job and drive it. A prophet is a man who is his ear to the heart of God. He's grieved for the affliction of Joseph. He weeps like Jeremiah. He howls like Joel. He fasts like Isaiah. He mourns like Nehemiah. He wrestles like Habakkuk. He preaches like Peter. He doesn't sleep easy at night when the Sodomites are in the land. He doesn't sleep easy at night when they're robbing our children 
of their, of their beauty and of their, of their virtues. He doesn't sleep well at night when they're slaying children in the thousands in the womb of the mother, cutting them up into pieces and them still alive. He doesn't sleep well. He is a burden. Oh, may God, someone prayed, God, God, I don't want to, bur- to be burdened with my family. I don't want to be burdened with my past. I don't want to be burdened with, 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 with the future. I want the burden of God laid on me. Friend, we need burdened men. We need men of vision. We need prophets. We need people like Rachel who says, give me children or I'll die. Caleb who says at 86, give me this mountain. Samson who said, one more time, Lord. Come upon me. One more time. May God help us. It's not new methods we need as men. It's men filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Men of fire. Men with the calling. This man had the calling of God. I was saturated in prayer. He was saturated in prayer. And did you notice he was full of the Spirit of God? And he wasn't filled with the Spirit whenever Moses laid hands on him. Moses said, I'm calling Joshua because he's filled with the Spirit. I'm calling Joshua because he's a man anointed with God. I'm calling him. This is the man who will lead them out, lead them in, lead them over. This is the man. This is the man. He's a Spirit-filled man. God's men are in the... De- you know what's said about the Lord Jesus? He was in the deserts until the day of his showing forth. And there's an S on the deserts. These men like Paul and these men like Elijah, men like John the Baptist, they were alone with God. They waited on God. They got the message from God. They got the word of God and they came down and they delivered it. Joe, I tell you, this man's filled with the Holy Ghost. This man is in there because he's saturated in prayer. This man is in here because he is the calling of God and he'll need every one of them. He'll need every one of them. When he goes over into the land, he'll need every one of them. He'll need to know how to handle the aching and the thieving. He'll need to know how to handle AI and the killing of 32 of his men. He'll need to know how to handle the Gibeonites that come lying with their old crusty loaves and shoes. He'll need to be saturated in prayer and in the Holy Ghost. He'll need wisdom. He'll need discernment. May God raise up such as too late for some of us. He'll need power. He'll need wisdom. When the battle's gone on too long, he'll need power to call on the sun and the moon to stay till the battle's over. This is the man that God has called. This is the man that's going to lead the people out and lead them in. Called of God. Saturated in prayer, <clears throat> filled with the Holy Ghost, anointed with power. Did you notice verse 1 of chapter 3? He rose early in the morning. He rose early in the morning. And then he passed from ministers not out of their bed in the morning, crying unto God to shame on them. My friend, this thing is serious. God is, God is vexed and God is grieved. He, he rose up early in the morning and he cried unto God and he held on to God for the victory and for the blessing. 
Rise up early in the morning. I tell you, that's the greatest time. Away before day. Hi, friend, away before day. Any pastor, let me say this this morning from a burdened heart. Any pastor, any minister, any servant of God who's not interceding at least three hours alone before God in the day shouldn't be at the job. Any one of the churches in the state that we're in, we need men to hold on to God and to cry in all situations and circumstances. Not playing golf, not going on cruises, calling on to God for the state of the situation around us. It's desperate, my friend. It's desperate. And there's a deception and a delusion. And everybody thinks that all is well, but it's not all well. And if we're going to go back into our churches doing the same old thing, we'll not have learned any lesson. None at all. May God raise up spirit-filled anointed men and women, spirit-filled Sunday school teachers, spirit-filled Friday night meters, Spirit-filled men and women who will hunger for God and hunger for the prayer. Not come when they feel it or go somewhere else on a Sunday night if there's something else on. But we'll get in behind the work. There's the leading. Lastly, all I'm dealing with this morning. There's the learning. What was the lesson? What was the lesson? That this two million people, men, women and children learned for three days as they stood. It's a mile from here to the roundabout, let me tell you. And they stood for three days with this raging torrent coming down from Galilee to the Dead Sea. The roar of it was deafening. They tell me that stumps of trees and bushes flowed past them. And God has them standing looking at it. And he says, you're going over. A complete and utter impossibility as far as man is concerned. The only way that they're going to get over this Jordan and take their children over and their family over is an intervention of God, a miracle from heaven. Nothing short of it. Absolutely nothing short. It's only be a mighty intervention that God's going to get the glory. That's the bottom line. If you hear nothing only what I'm going to say in the next closing five minutes, listen to this. That's the bottom line in this Jordan, and that's the bottom line in your Jordan this morning, and you're standing at a Jordan this morning. And I don't know what your Jordan is. I don't know what your giants are. I don't know what your fears are. I don't know what you're, well, what you're thinking about this morning. I haven't got a clue. You know. But let me tell you this. Whatever your Jordan is this morning, there's a God who is able. He's able. Don't back off. Don't back off. You never back off on the Lord's work. There's no armor for the back. There's a sword and there's a... Helmet and there's the breastplate and there's the shoes. There's all. There's no armor for the back. There's no backing off. There's no going back to Kadesh Barnea. There's no going back to the deserts of Moab. There's no going back to the grumbling and the complaining. It's time to move on. Oh, but there's an awful giant in my life. Well, I tell you, it's no bigger than this one. It's no bigger than this one. What is your Jordan this morning? What is it that completely and utterly paralyzes you this morning? 
that hinders you when you go to prayer and go to praise. Go to open your mouth. What is it this morning? What is the fear? Do you see the Jericho? Do you see the soldiers glittering there, walking there, watching there? Do you see the, the, the seven wicked idolaters? Huh? How on earth are they going to handle this? You look at your child. How is my child going to get over this? How is my family going to cross this? How on earth are we going to get a mile over this? And then he says to us, come down here and stand here and watch. You're going over. I tell you, my friend, this is real this morning. That's real this morning. It's real. And it's impossible to be solved by you. It's impossible to be solved by man. It's possible to be solved by science or doctors or families or anybody else. Because if it could be, if it could be, it's not God. Now, whatever your trial is this morning, God wants the glory in it. And he'll keep you at the banks. And he'll show you all the fears and all the doubts and he'll keep you there until you surrender and say, Lord, I can't handle this. God's gracious and he's merciful. And if you try to get over it yourself, my friend, if you try to get through it yourself, if you run to people, run to this one, run to that one, if you try to conjure up things, God will not do anything for you. He needs the glory. He wants the glory. In fact, that's what he said. That's what he said to him. Listen, 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 listen to, 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 to see what he said. He said, I'm going to do this in the sight of all Israel that you'll know that the living God is amongst you. That you'll know that the living God is amongst you. You'll not be able to look back and say, man done this, or the preacher done this, or the lifeboat done this, or the pastor done this. You'll have to say, God has done it. Glory to his name. And he will do it. He needs to get the glory. If there's any help from outside or inside or anywhere else, God will not do anything for you. Listen as I close. Everything else has to die. Your promises have to die. You have to be shut up to faith. Abram, it says, was as good as dead. A hundred years and 99 years, Abram and Sarah. God said, you're going to have a son and he'll be like the stars of the sky. You're going to conceive him, you're going to give birth to him, you're going to suck him, you're going to rear him and he's going to be mighty. And Sarah laughed. Well, don't you be getting too tight up with Sarah laughing. There's many a time, my friend, I laugh when I think of the miracle that God has done in my life. There's many a time I laugh and when I think of how God one day lifted me and passed and saved us. I tell you, my friend, it's amusing to see the hand of God working. A hundred and nineteen and, and one ninety-nine and one hundred and God says, 
Man's not going to get the glory for this. Man has nothing to do with this. I'm waiting until Sarah. It's impossible. Impossible for Sarah. That men will not be able to say. It happened by natural reasons or natural causes. They'll have to stand back and say, Isaac is, that was Isaac's name anyway, it was laughter. Isaac is God's man. May these young men that have been born these days, two of them, I'll not see them growing old. And maybe they'll not grow old themselves. And I doubt if they will. But oh, may there be men, if they're into their teens, may there be men raised up for God to stand in the gap in our land and take up where we lost and left off and fooled about with. May God raise up the like of them. No, no. God's going to get the glory. He was as good as dead. Remember Elijah? Friend, remember him on Mount Carmel? Remember he gathered all the false prophets round him and he built the altar and he laid the sacrifice and he gathered up the last bit and they jumped them old false prophets, jumped the whole day and they cut themselves and they roared. And nothing happened. And it was a very hot day. There was three and a half years without any rain in the land. And, and God says, now Elijah, it's your time. But before you go near, before you do anything, go down to the Mediterranean and get four bars of water. Why did he bring up four barrels of water if he's going to start a fire? Because some boy would have said, oh, there was, a, there was a spark. Oh, there was a flint. Oh, it had been very hot and it ignited. There's combustion and it ignited. No, God says, no man, no man will take the glory for this. Go down to the Mediterranean, haul up four barrels of water. And douse the sacrifice. And douse the altar. And cover the altar with the water until it's soaked. And then I'll come. God cuts off all avenues, my friend. You see, it's the glory of God and the exercise of faith. That's what's going on in your life this morning. God wants the glory. But he wants you to exercise faith. Remember the lad with the loaves. Five barley loaves and two fish. Oh, I tell you. Five thousand men plus women and children. Somebody said there could have been 20,000 on the mountain that day. And then some boy would have said, well, they only got a week from each and there's plenty for everybody. All right, God says, I'll put that out of their head. I'll get the glory for this. And he fed the 20,000 with five barley loaves and two fishes. And to prove it, there were 12 baskets left over. Where did they come from? God cutting off the fears of man and the strategies of man. God cutting off all our lack of faith and unbelief. God saying, I'm going to do this. And I will get the glory for doing this. And I will bring you over the Jordan. You just watch the ark. That's all you have to do. Keep your eyes on the ark and on the priest as they go down into the water. And when the priest, it wasn't until the priest's toe touched the Jordan that she went back 16 miles back up. She piled up at the city of Zaratan. 
16 miles back up, she stood up till 2 million, someone calculated the length of time it would have took them to go over the dry Jordan. They had to dry the ground too. See, God done all this at the Red Sea and they wouldn't believe him. He gave them the manna, they wouldn't believe him. He gave them the quails, they wouldn't believe him. He gave them the water out of the rock and they wouldn't believe him. They still wandered in Kittysburg. We can't go over. There's giants. We're not able. Friend, let the past go this morning. Step out this morning. Step over this morning. Oh, but there's a Jordan. I don't care what it is. There's a God in heaven. Move down towards the Jordan by faith this morning and say, Lord, you can heal me. Lord, you can save. And the Lord can heal you, you know. The Lord can heal you. The Lord can save you. The Lord can deliver you. The Lord can take away that lust. He can take away that fear. He can give you a job. He's able. If you step out by faith this morning and come towards him, time doesn't tell me to talk about David and Goliath. Time doesn't talk, tell, allow me to talk about the woman with the pot of oil when they were at their extremity's end, when they were at wit's end corner, when there was no other hope. And as long as you footer and cling and work and try to do it yourself, God will not do it. Get your eyes on him. Get your eyes onto the ark. Get your eyes onto Christ. And as they got their eyes on the ark and they moved down into the water, my friend, every last one of them went out through. Not one of them were touched. And they dealt with Jericho. I can tell you, God went before them. He'll go before you this morning. Let him have his way. Don't scare at the Jordan this morning. Don't flee back this morning. Go on this morning. Go through this morning. Get down before God when you go home and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to do. I want to go through with thee this, this day. I want this to be a new beginning. I want what God wants for me. And I want to hear, well done, I good and faithful servant. God bless you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. And oh God, we... We realized this morning that the greatest act of faith of all was to see that baby in the manger, the Son of God, the creator, sustainer of all things, wrapped in old torn garments. Oh God, nothing, only faith can make us believe that this was the Son of God. Lord, we thank you for Jesus this morning. We thank thee for the impossible situations that you've dealt with in our lives. And we're asking you this morning, Lord, to take this word, Lord, and wing it deep into the hearts of men and women. There'll be those who will rebel to it, Lord, but that doesn't really concern us. Oh, God, we're longing for men and women with a heart after God, with a thirst for revival with a thirst for something new and something real. Oh, God, deliver us, we pray, from our lack of love and passion and concern for the things of God. Remember our people, we pray thee. Bless those that are sick. 
Bless these two baby boys born into this assembly. And Lord, we'll pray for them every day that the hand of God will rest upon them. And they'll be raised up like Elijah and John the Baptist. Men of fire, men of power. Bless their parents. Thank you for them being born into homes where they'll be taught the things of God. Lord, the devil hasn't it all his own way. And we believe, Lord, that you're going to move and breathe. Remember the boy tonight, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the queuing up. To think that people, foreign people are queuing up, looking for tracts and books and Bibles, and our own people shouting abuses at us. God, have mercy upon the Moy. Roxborough Park, Hillside Crescent, Oakley Gardens, Moy Hill, the Ben Borb Road, the Killyman Road, the Tremont Road, the Loch Gall Road, the Dungannon Road. Lord, have mercy on Moy. And bless thy servants tonight as they bring the word of God. Thank you. We ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen.